This is Cincinnati Edition on 91.7 WVXU. I'm Lucy May. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration issued draft regulations in April 2022 to ban menthol cigarettes and flavored cigars. The FDA says modeling studies estimate this ban could save as many as 654,000 lives over the course of 40 years. Now health advocates across the country want the agency to finalize the regulations. Joining me in this recorded interview to discuss the impact this ban could have, especially on black smokers, are African-American Tobacco Control Leadership Council co-chair Carol Magruder. Welcome, Carol. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And Interact for Health Program Director for Health Policy and Systems, Megan Folker. Thanks for being here, Megan. Thanks for having me. Carol, I want to start with you. Can you explain what the FDA has proposed and, and where that proposal stands? Certainly. So good morning. So my um, organization, the AATCLC, we have been working with and watching over what the FDA was going to do about menthol since um, President Obama signed the Tobacco Control Act in 2009. And so nothing had been done. And we actually sued the FDA about this because uh, when when the Tobacco Control Act was signed, all of the flavors uh, in combustible tobacco products were taken off the market except for menthol. And at that time, it was everyone knew who smoked menthol cigarettes, African-Americans, and we're certainly not the only population that does, but the 80 to 90% of Africans who smoke, smoke a mentholated product. And that's because of the racist and pernicious targeting in our community for decades um, that got us to where we are in 2023. So we sued, um, and that forced the FDA to actually act on a petitions loss, a petitions, a citizen's petition that had been submitted some years earlier. And there are two rules that are in the process of being finalized. One rule would take off menthol uh, combustible cigarettes off the market, and the other rule would deal with the cheap. Uh, cigars that we have that were wholly unregulated at the time the Tobacco Control Act was signed. So that's your Swisher Sweet, your Black and Miles, your Backwoods, these products that cost, you know, five for 99 cents and that are really sold in poor Black and Brown communities primarily. And Carol- so we're looking for August 2023 for the FDA for the final rule to be out. And then there still will be some back and forth about that. So it's not over till it's over. Yeah. And Carol, talk a little bit more about why banning menthol in these flavored cigars, or why that's so important, especially to, to Black smokers. It's important to us. And this is an important point of this, is that there are people, and that's why I spent a little time on the history of this, because there are uh, Black smokers and folks in the community and folks that are paid by the tobacco industry to Black people and say, you know, they're trying to do something against you. They're trying to take away the cigarette that you like, menthol while these other cigarettes are still on the market, when in fact, menthol was left on when the other flavors were taken off. And menthol, um, it helps the poison to go down easier. So it it anesthetizes the throat, it dilates the alveoli, the small sacs in your lungs, um, and it allows the toxins to stay longer um, and deeper in your lungs. It it stimulates your trigeminal nerve, which is one of the cranial nerves that uh, puts sensation from your face to your brain. And so these products have been killing us. 45,000 Black people die every year from tobacco-induced diseases. And in the past 20 years, that's about a million people. And so our mission is to save Black lives. Our website is savingblacklives.org. There's no one that loves a Black menthol smoker more than we do. Uh, That's why we exist. 
is that we want to protect our community from this pernicious targeting that's been going on for decades. And we want to stand up strongly and say that Newport cigarettes, menthol cigarettes, they're not a part of our culture. They're not a part of our community, they are not wanted. And we don't want another generation of our children addicted to these deadly products that are killing us. Megan, I know this is an issue that Interact for Health has been uh, studying and really focusing on for a number of years. Um, nationally, Black Americans make up 12% of the population, but a 2021 study found they represented 41% of premature deaths due to menthol cigarettes from 1980 to 2018. What got Interact for Health uh, so focused on this in Cincinnati? What does the data show in greater Cincinnati when it comes to, to menthol cigarettes? Yeah, absolutely. So when we were embarking on our last strategic plan, which started in 2018, we dug into the data, started to look at um, what our community looked like. And, you know, we know that despite progress, tobacco remains the single most preventable cause of disease, disability, and death in the United States. And greater Cincinnati is no different. Um, But when you really start to dig in, we've left certain groups out of the progress that has been made and certain groups continue to bear that burden of disproportionate tobacco-related harms. Um, as Carol shared, you know, we know that menthol is was left on the market to specifically target groups of groups of smokers. And so when we look at um, smoking in greater Cincinnati, Black smokers smoke at the same rate as whites in our region. However, they're more likely to die from smoking-related diseases such as heart disease, stroke, and cancer. And then when we dig into menthol, um, 68% of our African-American smokers in greater Cincinnati are using menthol products compared to only 19% of white adult smokers in our region. So we know that... um, the data here locally mirrors what Carol shared nationally. It's um, definitely a problem on the local level as well. And so we just felt like, you know, this isn't something we can continue to ignore. If we want to make improvements, if we want to reduce our smoking rate in greater Cincinnati um, and across, you know, the region, the state, we have to start to tackle these um, systemic problems from a policy perspective um, and make sure that we are really addressing those populations that are bearing um, the burden of tobacco. Carol, can you talk some more about the scientific evidence that supports this ban? So the scientific evidence um, is that the the FDA, when the Tobacco Control Act was passed, um, due to a last-minute amendment, which is why we're even still talking about it, I think uh, there was an amendment put on the Tobacco Control Act that the FDA had to do something, make a decision about menthol. And that amendment was put on at the behest of the Congressional Black Caucus under the leadership of Dr. Donna Christensen, a medical doctor who was the representative for the U.S. Virgin Islands. So when they put the amendment on, it made the FDA uh, do several studies. And so the first study that they did, which the tobacco industry cartel challenged because they're a part of the body, because that's the way it works in our country. Um, The first study that the FDA did, which looked at everything and looked at a lot of the tobacco industry's own internal documents that have been released over all these years because of litigation about what they knew about menthol. And they know more about menthol than anybody does. And so these studies that uh, the FDA completed, two of them, 
um, positively said that taking menthol off the market will be will benefit the public health of the United States of America. Period. Um, in the in that time, Canada has taken it all. Uh, the European Union has taken it all. And in our country, because everything has a racial overlay, all of a sudden people care about what a black smoker wants, that a black smoker wants a methylated tobacco product. You know, there are many things my community wants and needs. And so if I'm going to fight about something, it's not going to be about menthol cigarettes. Um, and so that conversation, because they didn't have the same racist, pernicious targeting in these other places, the EU and Canada, that wasn't a part of the public health conversation that this product needs to come off the market, period. Uh, but because we're here in America, then it got confounded with, um, if we take these products off the market, it's gonna result in uh, black men and brown men having interactions with the police because the products will be illegal. And what the rule does, the FDA rule, is not about individual smokers. It's about, especially on the federal level, it's about the manufacturers. So we're going to the source that these products will no longer be distributed in the United States of America. So the data, the science is in, we don't need any more studies. Um, we, we've seen the damage and, 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 and we need action at this point. And I, I wanna add that while we're, you know, we're not waiting on the FDA uh, because we know of the gridlock and the interference you have the further up you go, but cities, counties, and states are enacting these bans to protect their people all over this country every day. I mean, that's beautiful. And, and Ohio is at play. Uh, and I went to Columbus, actually. Columbus passed it already. I know Cincinnati is on the books and uh, Cleveland. So we're looking forward to doing more work in Ohio uh, because it's a very, very important state uh, to get this rolling in. California, you know, it's California. New York is New York. But uh, the Midwest. Uh, so we'd have the ends, the anchors and the mid middle and then working our way back and forth to get this thing done. I want to remind our listeners we're talking in this recorded interview about the FDA's draft regulations to ban menthol cigarettes and flavored cigars. My guests are African-American Tobacco Control Leadership Council co-chair Carol Magruder and Interact for Health Program Director for Health Policy and Systems, Megan Folkerth. You just mentioned this, Carol, but, um, you know, California did pass its own ban. Talk more about what states and cities can do to really address this themselves. So, yes. Yeah, so uh, prior to Chicago coming online, uh, we people didn't once the FDA didn't move. You know, initially our action was trying to get the FDA to move. And then Chicago, under the leadership of Rahm Emanuel at the time, he just broke out there and he said, we're going to we're going to put up a buffer zone around schools so that these products cannot be sold within 500 feet of a school. And in a city like Chicago, which is very dense with these outlets, that made a huge difference. And so not only did Chicago do that, but of course the tobacco industry sued because that's what they do is they uh, they obfuscate, they delay, that's, you know, that's their modus operandi. So when they sued Chicago, Chicago was prepared for that and they prevailed. And so that set the stage and the precedent that cities and counties and states have the absolute authority to vote in laws to say that these products cannot be sold in their jurisdiction. They can't talk about manufacturing that level, but they can say in our city, in our county, in our state, we want these products out. So cities across the nation, most notably uh, San Francisco was the first big major city that did a citywide uh, ban on flavored tobacco products, including vaping products and the little cigars and cigarillos. And then California, 
a hard-fought law that was passed in June of 2020, signed by the governor, and the tobacco industry promptly collected signatures and put a referendum on the ballot. That happened November of last year. 60% of Californians said, we are upholding this law. We want these products out of the state of California. So we are in the process now in California, uh, uh, you know, and it's a big process, it's a big state of getting these products off the market. In the interim, the tobacco industry has introduced some new products um, that have chemicals that mimic menthol, but they're not menthol. So, you know, in the whack-a-mole that we play with the tobacco industry cartel, at some point we have to decide, uh, we, you know, enough is enough. And so, and, and the FDA, they need to do what they're supposed to do. And and the, and and the rule about menthol and little cigars and cigarillos, there's a lot more that needs to be done. Um, they move very slowly, um, but that's, so cities and counties and states can enact these laws themselves and get the process started. So when the FDA finally does do something, county or state, you're all, you're, you're done. You're already ready there. You're offering services to people because people need help to get off of these addictive products. Um, and we're preventing another generation. And this is the most important thing. We want to stop this. So we want to stop another generation of our children, black children, white children, all of the children of our nation from being addicted to these products. Megan, I, I know that Interact for Health uh, has been supportive of efforts to to you know reduce smoking in in the region and uh, has been supportive of of these kinds of bans. What does Interact for Health want to see locally from from local jurisdictions in this regard? Yeah, I, we would love to see comprehensive policy. Um, like Carol's talking about, there's starting to be some conversations here in Cincinnati. I think. Um, you know, it's easy for people to focus in on vaping and flavored vaping devices because that's what we hear about with our youth so often. Um, but menthol is a piece of the puzzle as well. And so we really need comprehensive policy that removes menthol and flavoring from the market. I think the other thing that we've done here locally and that we are very supportive of is making sure we have the enforcement mechanisms in place for these policies. So similar to when Cincinnati passed Tobacco 21 and instituted a tobacco retail license, we've seen the city of Hamilton, the city of Middletown do those as well. And that really gives a local jurisdiction the authority um, to implement and to enforce these policies and hold our retailers accountable. So if someone is selling currently in Cincinnati, if someone is selling to someone under the age of 21, we have the ability to find them um, and jurisdictions have the ability to revoke a license so that someone can't sell these tobacco products. So it's really about holding the industry accountable with these, these big policies of removing menthol and flavoring. And then it's also about holding the retailers accountable for following those policies. So here locally, we are supportive of um, comprehensive policy to remove menthol and flavoring from the market, and then also tobacco retail license so that we can really implement, enforce, and hold our retailers accountable for these policies. And Megan, yes. have you heard much discussion, Megan, of, of menthol bans locally? I mean, these kind of uh, local policy decisions that would maybe mirror what the FDA is talking about a little more. We've started to hear um, some rumblings, you know, at the end of 2022, when Columbus passed their menthol and flavoring restriction, and then we had um, 
the state legislature put in preemption language um, to undo all of our local tobacco work. We're very grateful and thankful to Governor DeWine for his veto on that. But I really think that that conversation at the end of 2022 has energized our local communities. Like Carol said, you know, we're hearing conversations in Cleveland and conversations that have started here in Cincinnati. Um, And so I think, you know, that energy building on that and moving forward, seeing what we can do in the city of Cincinnati. um, I think we have a real opportunity with this council and um, those conversations have started and we're very supportive of those efforts and just want to make sure that we are getting best practice policy and we're focused, yes, on flavored vaping products, but also making sure that menthol is part of that policy. Carol, you and I'd like, oh, please. I, I just wanted to add when we talk about enforcement that these laws are not about individuals. So there's no police officer. There's no one who's going to ask someone standing on a corner smoking a cigarette, are you smoking a menthol or non-methylated? And that's kind of a myth that's thrown out there to detract what we're doing and what the purpose of it is. People can do whatever they want to do as an individual, but cities and counties and states have decided we will not sell these products. So if people get it from whatever source they get it from as an individual, that's your business. And that we are really working so hard to provide services. And so with Columbus, because we, as I I was there last year and was so encouraged, it's the perfect size city for us to do this right, to show how it can be done. And Columbus is very much um, working on cessation and services for people that address social determinants of health, because it's it's a lot more complicated sometimes when you're a poor person, when you're suffering with racism and a lot of stressors to stop this habit that you think is helping to, to your stress. And mm-hmm. it, it really is it. But anyway, but you're addicted to it. So that's a big part of this uh, pie. The big part of this equation is having the services for people. And I'm so encouraged at the leadership in Columbus that I saw there. Um, and we want to really show, really make that a demonstration city of that when you have the commitment of, of the city council and the mayor of what can be done to roll it out right. And it's not about um, enforcing something individually on a person and, and increasing interactions with police. This is not what that's about at all. Carol, you touched on this a bit before, but how has the tobacco industry been responding to this proposed ban? And, and how are dis- tobacco distributors and, and retails? retailers responding that this is big business. It's big business. It's billions of dollars of profit. We don't hear much from distributors. Uh, The retailers are the boots on the ground. Uh, They come because it really affects their bottom line in these small retail stores and communities. And I feel my heart goes out to them. But you can't sell a product that kills and addicts people. So we have to find a different uh, business model for those folks. The tobacco industry, (coughs) excuse me, has made, has hired and is feeding money into the black community, hiring consultants to say that what, to latch on to our legitimate concerns and grievances about some of the uh, officer involved shootings that we're seeing on social media, you know, every other month, there's a new one. Um, So they, they're attaching themselves to our visceral fear, anger, hurt around the, the policing of black bodies in this country's and country. And they're, they're using that to say, well, if we do something about menthol, if we take it off the market, it's going to create a criminal um, atmosphere and there are going to be more people having interactions with police. And so our position is that we can't continue to let the biggest killer of Black people, the biggest profiler of Black men, 
We can't continue to let them be roam about our community like a wolf while we, you know, be and, and deal with police, the, uh, the issues with, with police reform that we need to. We have to do those things at the same time. But the tobacco industry, they've latched on to that. Um, they give money to some black ministers to accept it. Uh, we had a minister, Sheffield, in, in Detroit who, who turned it down. They offered him $250,000. And this money, they just give it to him. And then they come out, they have a press conference that this is going to hurt our community. Um, and we want those ministers to pull with us uh, and to pull for the services and to affirm that our people can stop these, get off of these addictive products. And to affirm that we don't want another generation, uh, if it's so bad, if people can't quit, then we really need to stop it even more. If that's our position, then we really need to make sure that another generation of our children are not addicted. And we need to cut off that pipeline. Megan, I know Interact for Health has done a lot of, of surveying uh, on these issues. What evidence do you, have you all uh, seen in your surveys that suggests that banning menthol really will lead to smoking cessation uh, here in the region? Yeah, when we surveyed in 2018, um, we asked that if there was a law that prohibited the sale of menthol cigarettes, um, what would you do? And menthol cigarette smokers in greater Cincinnati um, overwhelmingly shared that they, 44% said that they would try to quit smoking. Um, certainly there are people that will try to purchase online or switch to a different product, but 44% said that they would try to quit smoking. Um, and so I think that that just gives promise and to speak to what Carol's saying, you know, we need good policy and then we also need to provide support. We need tailored cessation programs that support our Black communities. We need to not just offer what we've always offered, but we really need to work with individuals um, for what's the best fit for them and support them on that quitting journey. It is hard, um, but I think we are encouraged just by those numbers that most people would share that they would try to quit. Carol, one last question for you. What are the next steps for this FDA regulation? Is there still time for the public to weigh in? Yes. So one of the things people can do is to go to our website, which is savingblacklives.org, and to sign up for our newsletter. Uh, we have regular communications, as does Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, are one of our national leaders in this fight, and they're located in D.C., but working all over the country. Um, so when the when the final rule does come out, there is opportunity for groups and communities to weigh in. And, 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 and the importance of just average people weighing in, people think, well, this is the federal level, what difference does my little voice make? But people, your organizations, um, you know, we had Delta Sigma Theta sorority, our, one of our largest and most powerful African-American women sororities. They were one of the first groups to get on board asking the FDA to take this off. Um, the NAACP at, at our national conference that we actually had in Cincinnati, I think it was 2016 around then I was there uh, when, the, when they adopted a resolution. So it's important for the defenders of our community to weigh in when we get to that next step uh, with, with the FDA, because the tobacco industry will be there and they flood, you know, they flood uh, the, the gates with everything. And we need our, our success, our strength is in all the millions of people who are fighting to take this giant down. So I tell people, get a toe, you know, get the knee, whatever your whatever your strength is for your group, get that and hold on to it until we bring this giant down that's been killing our people uh, for, for, for far too long in this country. 
I've been talking with African-American Tobacco Control Leadership Council co-chair Carol Magruder and Interact for Health Program Director for Health Policy and Systems, Megan Folker. Thank you both so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to Cincinnati Edition on 91.7 WVXU. Our producer is Selena Reeder. Assistant producer is Asia Johnson. Technical director is Derek Smith. If you missed the program live, you can subscribe to Cincinnati Edition wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Lucy May. Thank you so much for listening.